Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. One of the benefits that we've had um, making contacts out in the Twitterverse and so on is, is we have met, we've mentioned this before, both Jason and I have, we have met some very interesting people. And one of them um, is Michael Lowe, who we are, um, we are going to be hearing about shortly. Michael is an educator and he has a, a fascinating perspective on the intersection of gaming and education. Yes, he really does. It's, it's a topic that I think attracts both of us, Brad, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I've, I've been in education, uh, college education for so long, and you've been in the tech aspect of education for even longer that you and I've had all kinds of these conversations of sidebars over the years. And of course, then, you know, uh, my wife is a teacher. Uh, one of our dear friends, Eric, is a teacher uh, and a principal. And I, I mean, we, we, we've been, and it runs in our families, both of us. So we've, we've been surrounded by educators all our lives and still are. And so you can't help but have these conversations. But like you were saying, Michael, Michael's all about bringing RPGs to both the classroom and to kids. And as a a bit of a personal aside, I have been interested in gamification for quite some time. Now, now you'll hear listeners that that Michael doesn't love that term, but that's okay. Different strokes for different folks. We're coming at it from very different perspectives. But where, where, where I live professionally, uh, there's this question sometimes of how can you how can you gamify a course? How can you use game theory? How can you use role playing or video game uh, ideas, uh, philosophies to inform, enlighten, whatnot your your courses? And I I had looked into this seriously, as you'll hear in the interview. I had looked into this seriously several years ago, and it just it. It was a lot of a lot of work, and and in terms of the the payoff, it wasn't there yet. But now you're I, talking you're talking about like potential research, right? No, actually, no? I, no thing. I actually I'm talking about converting one or more courses, changing uh... the delivery so that it was gamified. So I and I will say, after we spoke with Michael, I didn't say anything to you about this because we yeah. we were going to be chatting like now, but. After we spoke with Michael, it it got me thinking. I still am interested to do that to try it out. And here's here's what I mean by that, everybody. And hopefully, this will provide a little context for what Michael's going to bring with us. Because um, what you'll hear is Michael was able to show us all kinds of visuals from his work that and his 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 consulting firm uh, that that goes around and and allows him to work with kids through RPGs around English. It's really cool stuff, really clever stuff. But we, we can't share with the, that all with, we can't share all of that with you guys because it's his bread and butter, right? He was just doing us a favor to help us understand visually. And it's, it's spectacular stuff. We'll have this all in the show notes. But it got me thinking, like before, you know, you have a class and I'm, th- I'm thinking college or grad school class here, not kids. So this is a little easier. I want to say that this, I'm not talking about kids, but you have a class and you've got assignments and you're grading the assignments and, and, you know, the purpose of assignments, be they quizzes, be they writing, be they, you know, if you're in math or something, problem sets, whatever it is, be they, be they studio work, right? If you're French horn, then the purpose of these assignments is twofold, ideally best of of all things, best of good learning theory, the assignment on the one hand demonstrates learning. The assignment on the other hand promotes learning. Ah. Like for example, in, in my courses where I have quizzes, not all do, but in my courses where I have quizzes, they are brief they're multiple over a semester. And I tell my classes when the semester starts, the goal of these is for you to ace 
all of the quizzes. They are learning tools. You can take them as many times as you want prior to the due date. Oh, right. Because what does what does more than 50 years of learning research tell us unequivocally? One of the single, if not the single best tool to promote learning is repeated testing and specifically low stakes repeated, not, not exams, but quizzes. Well, to tie this to Michael then. And, well, you know, that's uh, yeah. before you do that, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> two things. One, <clears throat> it's funny. We've known each other 30 years in August. Probably never really talked about this. <laughs> no, we never, we never really no. have. And, yeah. and I've never, <clears throat> I've never really asked. And it wasn't for any particular reason. We just had so much to talk about is your teaching style. And it's funny how you, when you bring that up, I've had mm-hmm. just, you just gave me a little window into that, mm-hmm. um, which means at some point offline, just, we have to talk because I'm fascinated by it Two, um, for me as a high school student. Um, and I'm not, I don't, I, you, you can correct me if my verbiage is wrong. I was, I'm highly intelligent. So high school was not overly, um, it wasn't that tough for me. I didn't, but I didn't put a lot yeah. of effort into right. it either. Right. <clears throat> when I went to college, my freshman year, that was the reason that I really, for lack of a better term, bombed out because I was not mature enough or ready enough or understood that enough. Right. When I went back yeah, that was different. <clears throat> and I got my bachelor's and my master's, both of those use that exact oh, nice. point that you said, and yeah. that changed how I learned. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought of it until, and I didn't realize potentially that that's what the, the, the reasoning behind mm-hmm. it was, Yep, was, was that. So selfishly, it was just, it, it was just two little fascinating insights based off of what you said. And it'll be interesting because obviously you'll hear Michael talk about a lot about, you know, um, younger kids up into high school. Yeah. Um, in, in the context of his, his programs and all that and luck of legends is his website. We'll put it in the show notes. Yep. Um, but it would, it would be an interesting discussion Mm -hmm. in the future to see how gamification game theory, so on would apply to undergrad or grad work. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? I know we do that, um, in a different way when it comes to education, because we're still educating in the tech world, but it's very, it's different, but it's, it's, it's funny how all of a sudden it's like some synapses are terribly to say to a psychologist, but it feels like some synapses are firing that didn't fire before. And don't you dare make a joke. Nope. Nope. But, but uh, so, you know, listeners, maybe we'll, we'll leave you with this as a transition before we, we welcome Michael O to the podcast that I, I, I've been thinking about this now for days, Brad, of what if we were to take a course, any level, doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. elementary, graduate school, I don't care. And instead of thinking about grades, through the lens of traditional grades. And let me be clear, I'm all for grades. I don't have any problem with them. Mm-hmm. However, in terms of course design, to have fun while you learn and feel reinforced while you learn and be more intrinsically motivated while you learn, especially if it's like a class you have to take. Um, what if instead of thinking as the teacher or instructor or professor, these are grades, what if we made a course, what if you designed your course like around XP and there were opportunities, I mean, really serious, there were opportunities no, I know. over the course to in some way level up. You actually even use that term in, in, in a humorous context this week. I think we were joking about something and you use yeah. the term, did you level up? And, yeah. and I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, that's going to become a phrase that we're going to use a lot just based off of yeah. this last interview and this idea of, of applying, you know, to the tenets of RPGs or tabletop games, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and use it as incentives you know, I could see myself using it as incentives with people that work with me or for me. Right. Oh, just like, just like education. I mean, the leadership potential would be significant. Yes. Yeah. 
that and that that even goes beyond i don't want to you know um with michael has spurred spurred not spurned spurred that sort of uh thought independently mm-hmm. and now as we're talking now mm-hmm. now there's some links there that would be fast yeah. fascinating discussion points even though we yeah exist in different we'll probably come back to this topic don't you think oh yeah yeah absolutely no doubt yeah all right everybody so with that we are really pleased to bring you our interview with michael lowe he was gracious enough to reach out to us on twitter kind of found us if you will and and we're so glad he did we had so much fun speaking with him and this was one of those discussions that could have gone much longer, uh, but we didn't want to do that to him. So uh, without any further ado, here is our interview with Michael Lowe. Enjoy. Michael Lowe is a LiveScan certified California high school English teacher, parent, storyteller, and game designer. He teaches kids nonviolent conflict resolution, collaboration, confidence, critical thinking, and creative writing using games, inspired by a love of learning, not fear or failure. Michael is also the creator of Luck of Legends. So we just got done doing a brief discussion um, before we hit record with Michael Lowe. And Michael, you actually um, said something right before we hit record that I thought would be interesting. So you talked about like a facepalm moment when it came to education. So talk to us about that in terms of, you know, how you've integrated education and, and, and gaming. Well, okay. So let's start at what? 11? Yeah, um, let me. That was a yeah, nebulous let's, question. Let's go. Let's go all the way back to 11. Let's do that. Um, no, everybody has uh, that compelling first edge of the seat moment where they were completely immersed in a game. Yeah? Yeah. And that's that's how we get into it and that's how we stay in it, right? Here I am at 42 and I've been making games. I had a friend mention this to me the other day. He was like yeah, I remember playing Lego battles on your floor when we were like 13. He's like, that was a great game. I was like, I made that game. He's like, I thought it was a real game. I was like, it was. Um, yeah. But the, the, the thing that really stunned me when I started using RPGs to teach writing to kids was that RPGs are a far better, a lot of them. It depends yeah. on the system and it depends yeah. on the mechanics and you have to be clever about it. They are far better designed games for doing what school is designed to do than school is. School's a very badly designed game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. School has points that don't matter. It's disconnected from all the wins that kids care about. What do you care about? Peer celebration. I can tell you about a million kids who I've seen, they'll be months behind in their work Mm -hmm. and uh, a sporting event will come up. Mm -hmm. You'll watch a kid get four months of work done in a week because he's got to play. Why? Because that moment on the field that that kid has had, it was absolute oxytocin and dopamine, which kids are wired to crave, right? They were genuinely emotionally celebrated by their peers, right? Mm -hmm. And that is compelling. They are part of a crew. They have a feeling of belonging. And that's what happens at a game table when you're doing it right. So if you can connect that to an academic skill, you can turn what in any other circumstances, a horrible slog into joyous, celebratory, ferociously compelled practice. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've managed to do with Luck of Legends. And um, yeah, the reason I was facepalming is after figuring it out, it seemed yeah. so obvious that I felt uh, really foolish for wasting time getting around to it. <laughs> so how, how, give us a little, if you don't mind, of your background, like how how did you arrive where you are now? Right. Cause it's, it's not like you don't typically get to go to school and, you know, in college, they tell you, this is how you can incorporate RPGs into being an educator. Well, you know, that's, that's funny. One of my favorite things to tell students is uh, if anybody ever asks you, what do you want to do when you grow up? Um, tell them, I want to never be asked that question again, mm-hmm. uh, because it's yeah. the worst question yeah. you can ask. Um, the idea that a skill that you learn, is going to be immediately connected to something you make money with is ridiculous. Anyone who understands how learning works knows that it's this enmeshed network of skills. I can honestly tell you that a lot of my graduate school studies, 
I did better in precisely because I'd been obsessively pawing through game books in my teen years. <laughs> Not because I knew that role-playing games were going to be this, you know, boy, I'm going to make a lot of money in games. That wasn't, that wasn't where my brain was. No. But the skills I was learning with compulsive practice, scanning, uh, high-level analytical work. You know, I was on the old 303 boards and creating, you know, infinite damage loops for 3.5. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, deeply enmeshed in a yeah. form of learning that was training all these different skills. Yeah. So this is true for any given area of learning. Um, for me, I guess, if you want my origin story, what am I going to, how am I going to phrase this? So I've been teaching in the classroom for 20 years. Um, wow. I've taught outside the classroom um, mm. for private companies and tutoring, reading mm. development, speed reading, all this different stuff. Wow. And, um, and of course, all the time, obsessively gaming on the side because I had this deep love that had developed when I was yeah. very young. And um, I had my son and started a game for him and a group of neighborhood friends um, around about like four years ago. And the kids would all come hang out at the house. And I was running a tabletop system that worked really well. We built our figures with uh, Legos and, mm. you know, had a load of fun. That's cool. Mm. Uh, I actually have a game up on itch called Mini Fig Madness. That, uh, that's, okay. that's how you start the game. It's completely narrative. Build your figure. All uh -huh. right. Pick the tags that apply. Okay. Here's how you build a dice pool when you want to do something. Go get nice. it. Nice. Um, it's the best way to quickly get a game started I've ever found. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, what happened was when the pandemic hit, we yeah. tried to transition to online and my son was about seven at the time. Mm -hmm. And I quickly realized, I was like, okay, I can't run this online. I don't have the tools. Yeah. So what am I going to do? I'm going to find whatever I've got to try to keep them gaming. And what I found was, you know, fifth ed. And the minute I booted it up, uh, I realized several things in a row. One, it, it promoted a kind of play that my kids didn't want. Hmm. Um, they did not want to murder people. They did not yeah. want to have evil people to attack. Yeah. And personally, as a parent and an educator, I had real trouble setting up situations in which I didn't make violence problematic. And it was kind of a catch-22. Yeah. You know, if I give you the heroic experience that this game is, is uh, you know, trying to cultivate for you, I'm effectively telling you that, that solving problems with violence is great and fun and easy and heroic. Yep. And if I set it up so that it's problematic afterwards, well, now I'm just cheating you emotionally. And as an mm -hmm. educator and a parent, that's mm -hmm. a dirty, dirty thing to do to a kid to say, yeah, do this thing. Okay, that was really bad what you just did. Yeah. Um, so it was a catch-22. So I went back to the drawing board. Uh, I was fortunate to fall in with a group called Story Games Glendale, a uh, bunch of really amazing developers there, uh, Mo Poplar, Christian Yetter, uh, Tomer Gurantz. Um, so I, in spending time with them, they were, some of them were doing some really cool work with Google Slides. Mm -hmm. And I immediately started to get nerdy. And I started developing a game that had a living document on Google Slides. So one of the great things about D&D, right? It's the endless books. Mm -hmm. You know, as a kid, if you are surrounded by all this artwork, it's impossible not to get absorbed into the world, right? Right, right. And that's one of the troubles with indie games is, you know, you wanna have that same compelling, amazing yes. experience and you yes. want to pay artists what they're worth. Mm -hmm. And let's be real, nobody gets into RPGs to make scads of money. Yep. So generally, <laughs> this is a pretty big right, right. dilemma that you're faced with. Right. Google Docs solved the dilemma. I was not running this class in order to sell a game. Yep. I was running this class to teach kids to write. Mm -hmm. So I formatted the entire thing. I put everything directly into the slideshow and uh, I found all the great compelling art I needed. Right. And then I gave the kids their character sheets right there in the slide deck and started giving them homework. And the homework prompts were, all right, what happened to make your character feel this way about that person? Mm -hmm. um, where would you like to travel in this world? What's a creature you want to meet? And this ended up developing into a full system, a narrative system. I have eight different settings for this system now. Huh. And uh, wow. the kids get to vote on where they want to adventure. Here's an example for you. This is Beast Preservation Corps. So you play magical researchers in a world where there was a horrible um, catastrophe long ago. Wizards destroyed the earth. And now finally magic is coming back. And also yeah. finally people are starting to use it again. 
So you yeah. play as a crew of researchers who are trying to preserve magical creatures. And one of the first rules of the BPC is all life is sacred. So yeah, they're having trouble, you know, this beast population is having trouble with the local human population. Yeah. There's no riding in and killing either one of them. You got to figure out how to either get them living together Very or cool. engineer wow. the moment. And, uh, you know, I can get nerdy about mechanics with you, the drama clock, uh, some of the, the tricks I use to get kids highly collaborative yeah. and also focused on story first and relationship first mm -hmm. and nonviolent in their solutions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my origin story. There you go. So that's what I do full time now is I run writing wow. classes for kids using these games online. Really <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, and I know for folks listening, you're showing some Google slide, uh, some Google uh, sheets here, but just the idea of leveraging this existing technology yeah. and then being creative like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't, I have not seen anything like this. No. And, and obviously, you know, we, Jason and I both have kids, mm -hmm. um, close to high school, if not in high school. And I could just yeah. see even them after they get over, you know, trying to act like a teenager, I could see them getting into this. Really. I mean, I kind of want to play this just looking at this. The listeners can't, you all can't see this, but the, the visuals are beautiful and engaging and pull you in and i mean they're just slides right which is so michael so is there clever. is this something that's do you have like a version of this if we were to like put this in show notes or something like that or well so here's the problem that yeah. i've run into as a developer i run my classes and yep. what i'm selling yep. is me i yep. am a teacher uh the first hour of every one of my games i coach kids i help them edit their material we celebrate we find the connections in their stories if i showed you a filled out deck uh, you know, they start at about 17 pages. They usually end up at 60 or 70 pages worth of yeah, story after that's five so cool. classes with kids bringing in their own visuals. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that uh, they they also learn how to do this and they end up copying my decks. And make <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> that's the rub. Yeah. It's amazing. It gives. I mean, as a teacher, there is no better um, yeah, right. sign that you're doing the job than kids are teaching other kids. So I've had kids make. Um, there's a Yellowstone game that one of my students made where oh, nice. you play as animals in Yellowstone National Park, trying to bring wolves back because the ecosystem has been falling apart ever hmm. since the apex Jason, predator. Jason, was taken I could out. see you. Yeah, yeah Jason loves the national park, so I can oh, see I mean, that. There's, there's so many different ones. So anyway, um, this has been actually one of the interesting pieces about figuring out how to make this approach more common. Um, yeah. One is I don't own any of this artwork. This right. is here as uh, as a way to increase engagement, get my kids invested, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I can put it all together and make it look mm -hmm. beautiful. But I'm not stealing anyone's work because I'm selling my work right. as an educator. No, this if is I wanted educational fair use, and it's gorgeous. And I think just for those listening, at mm -hmm. the end we'll give out your contact info, so that sure. way all the links. Yeah, yeah, it'll uh -huh. be easier. And then you can provide the the information as you talk to them because we met we met and start communicating on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, getting yeah. into the, getting into talking about education and RPGs yeah. because of our background. Yeah. So, so let me, let me ask a question while we're, while Please. we're, while we're where we are right now. Yeah. So Michael, so, I'll show you learning, another one. Learning, yeah, please. Learning outcomes wise, mm. and I and we and you can take that either formally or informally. I'm not. Too well, I take it very that. formally. I'm a, a certified teacher, and I take uh, learning outcomes very seriously. So, with every one of my classes, I assess and give both qualitative yeah. and in depth uh, feedback on five different common core standards. Okay. For each of my students, nice. so you get a summary of the kids' work. You get an understanding of where they are in terms of their grade level uh, capacity to deal mm -hmm. with creative writing. So mm -hmm. tone, mm -hmm. diction, uh, mm -hmm. description, all that good stuff. You get speaking, presentation, mm -hmm. discussion, and editing and revision. Yeah, feedback. beautiful. Okay, that's where I was. That was so really, truly specific. I mean, it yes, doesn't look like absolutely. that to the kids, but, but educationally, this is very well, intentional. One of the things that's funny about it doesn't look like that to the kids. I always think there's this perverse movement in education where they're like, tell them the standards, tell them what they are learning and explicitly tell them they are going to do the following things. I'm like, boy, you did that to me as a kid. There would be no better way to guarantee that I had completely turned off by the time you had finished writing those on the board. Right. Um, you tell me you're going to become 
a metahuman teenager 15 years in the future when everybody has developed, only the 15 year olds have developed superpowers and you get to decide your superpower and what you wanna do with it, I will write until my fingers give out and my keyboard stops, yeah. especially if I know other kids are going to cheer me when we yeah. read it aloud and it's gonna show up in the game we play. That's yeah. the key is there are multiple ways in which the kids are rewarded. So the impetus to revise, the impetus to write, the impetus to practice all the academic skills we go over is directly tied to something kids value. And that's what a good game does, right? Yeah. Yeah. It teaches you to do a thing by giving you a system that incentivizes certain kinds of behavior. Mm -hmm. So take another example. Um, and this is, this is also really crucial. It's not just the celebrations. You also get story points based on your stories. You wanna buy mm -hmm. new tags for your character? You wanna buy a new special. Nice. Let's say you wanna make your beast companion be able to breathe fire in addition to turning invisible and having shadow magic. Great, you're gonna to have to save up some story points. And you know, one point is what you get for writing a couple sentences. Right. Two points is what you get for a paragraph and three points is when you really go hard. And boy, you watch how quick those kids are absolutely hammering out stories and getting really nerdy about it because man, I'm gonna make my character, just you wait, I'm gonna buy nuclear spikes and yeah, go for Look, it. Few things, I, I can't help but, but lapse into my background, few things are more compelling than a really yep. cleverly designed behavior modification chart. Oh yeah. Right, And That's you know, it's awesome. funny because I hate, I hate the words behavior modification. Anytime anybody says, What's your behavior management plan? I always say, oh, yeah. I got a relationship building plan. Yeah. I ain't got a behavior modification plan because yeah. I don't work with dogs. But that's the language of education. That's part yeah. of the design problem we have in school. Even the language we use is incorrect to the task. And the mm. language of games is so much more compelling and so much more accurate to what you want a kid to experience if you want them to own learning become yeah. obsessed with learning, get invested in it, and practice it on their own, which is the key. That's what you want as an educator. Mm. Have you gotten on feedback, This and, and I'm not trying to... No, please. To, no, no. Have you gotten both positive and, and, and maybe more negative feedback from parents or anything like that? How have the parents responded or no? Slavering, frothing joy. Okay. Um, uh, just to be honest, you can go check on Activity Hero. You can check on my site. I've gotten nothing but five-star reviews. If a kid comes to my game once, the only reason they're not coming back yeah. is that they haven't got the time or the right. means to sign up again. Yeah. Um, my biggest yeah. problem in this class is just figuring out a way to contact parents because I'm really good at what I do, but mm. I have no idea how to market. So that's one of the reasons. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know what yeah. marketing is. I don't know how to do it. And I'm having to teach myself along the way right. how to connect with parents and find that, that audience. And mm -hmm. I've been hesitant to move on to OutSchool. They take 30% of your earnings. And oh, wow. uh, that's massive for right. uh, independent teachers. And I, I'll, be, I'll be real. I think what they're doing is very similar to what Uber has done to taxi mm. services. Sure. They're trying to turn education into gig work. So if mm. you're in college, if you're part-time, if you can afford to run multiple courses a day and have them not be academic, but sheerly you know, online babysitting, then yeah. you can afford that 30% dip maybe, but you're going to have right. to pack your class mm -hmm. and you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to lower your rates to compete. Mm. And uh, I'm not able to do that. So yeah. that sort of limits me in my impact. And it means that I have to find other ways to bring people to the program. Yeah. Um, parents universally are just like, oh my God, my kid, I had to take them away from the computer because they were writing. And that <laughs> them because for, you know, That's for a 13 year old, especially now, there's no emotional compulsion, right? There's no reward mm -hmm. in writing. Where do you find people to cheer for you? Where do you find people to celebrate and get excited about the stories you tell? Yeah. You don't find them unless you're in my game and mm -hmm. then you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you had mentioned before we, before we hit record that mm -hmm. you were looking for ways to adapt this to an online environment obviously because we're in in a pandemic world mm, yeah, and yeah. so how did you how did you end up because i mean again we'll we'll give out your contact info sure. and 
folks, it's it the stuff here is just visually stunning. Really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. really cool stuff. Yeah. But you had to kind of start looking at this from a perspective of being a remote teacher in effect, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the funny yeah. thing is, you know, when we hit the pandemic, I actually went in the spring. This is by my son. He's in one of my games. That's the other thing. My son would never write anything if I asked him to. Right. His games, <laughs> he's written page after page for his peers. And when he's writing it, he's like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you about this. Like, shh. You know, I can't look at him when he's writing. But he's gone in a year from seven years old writing a couple sentences to writing three pages per week uh, for the games yeah. that he's able to get a seat <laughs> mm-hmm. in. Um, which for me as a parent is such a win. I'm like, okay, don't mess it up. But uh, the online trick, I went to my admin, um, you know, in the spring when we initially shut down, I'm in California. And I said, look, if if this continues, we need a plan for the fall. And I think we can look at this one of two ways. We can either look at it as what are we going to do? We can't do the regular things, or we can look at it as what, what stumbling blocks to education can we blow up? by using this model. So I said, look, we could do things like small classes. Give me a working group of five to 10 kids for 30 minutes. And then give me a, a, give them, you know, have a collective work space that they work with. And then we touch back at the end of the week, I was teaching 11th grade. And I said, you know, there are things we can do to make this work for kids. You know, to make, to give them stability and comfort with a smaller group, to give them work and feedback that will be meaningful. And of course, um, we were unable to do those things yeah. because of the uh, the state requirements and and the ed mm-hmm. law surrounding how you teach kids. Mm-hmm. So I, this is my response. This is highly engaging. This is the way to do it. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Brad, you were going to say. No, no, mm-hmm. I w- I was fascinated when you said ele- mm-hmm. when you said eleventh grade. So yeah. I have a tenth grader and a twelfth grader. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Jasons are very close. Mm-hmm. You're able to because. I'm looking, I'm visually looking to make sure. <laughs> Don't get caught. Around. Don't get yeah. caught. Yeah. I would I would struggle to see them do a lot of writing. They do a lot yep. of playing, yep. but they don't do a lot of writing. And you're actually seeing positive results from kids that age doing this, which absolutely fascinates me, just based off of what I know of kids and my experience, and then obviously as a parent. One of my kids is currently up to a hundred pages on the novel he's written since he started with me. That's and awesome. Starting to make a online site. He's 12. He's written over a hundred page novel that's based on all of our work together. Nice. Um, and it's gotten very Doctor Who. Like he'll dip into different games and pick up, you know, through portals, pick up characters from other dimensions so that they can join in. Um, yeah. The, the problem is not that, I don't know. It's like a lot of things, right? The problem is never that we don't have the tools or that we don't have the ability. It's that we are slow to adapt. Yep. Um, it takes a lot of hustle to change your game. It takes a lot of rewiring to change the approach you take, right? Yeah. But there's so much possible if you're willing to make that shift. Um, mm-hmm. These games keep kids on the edge of their seats for two hours straight and then keep them writing. I mean, one of the things that's become a tradition is the after party. Because kids will get so into the game that we'll be ending and we're, we're talking, you know, I'm making slides and we're choosing prompts for your next week's story. And kids are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, can I stay on? And I'm like, yeah, okay, who's playing host this time? And they'll stay on for an hour writing yeah. stories together. That's because amazing. the bottom line is that's what kids want. They want the social engagement and celebration of doing a thing together. If you're creating and writing together mm-hmm. and it's being celebrated, they will do it absolutely with joy and complete investment. And it's just us, we're slow. You know, I was talking with a math teacher the other day, um, somebody really cool. Um, I'm meeting all these amazing people on Twitter who are in education and games. Yeah. And, um, this is a guy, uh, Mathematics, he, uh, Jason, he works with uh, a guy named Peter, who's at Game to Grow, which does uh, social game education. And we were talking about mechanics and he was yeah. saying, yeah, I built this game. And I said, okay, you know, let's talk mechanics. Do you have a way to get them to practice math? Because I've figured out reading and writing. Yeah, good. Uh, yep. I'm wondering what you got to have them do math. And he said, well, you know, that's difficult. And I said, well, what about attaching, you know, a, a differentiated approach where you say, all right, you can get your role, your standard role, right? Let's say you got a two dice pool or a three dice pool based on your tags. I can go into that if you guys get nerdy about it. Um, 
And then you give them, but if you can do one problem from whatever it is you're practicing, so you yeah. can do this with a mixed age group, right? You're working on your times table, dope, we'll do that. You're working on fractions, we'll do something with fractions, right? And if you can do it in 30 seconds, you'll get a boost. And even if you practice it, you'll get an extra die, right? You'll raise your success a full level if you actually succeed at the problem. Just yeah. for doing the problem, you'll get the extra die. And he said immediately, he said, well, but I don't want it to, to be abstract. I don't want it to be um, without a tie to real world learning. Yeah. And I said, but it is tied to real world learning. And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean? And I said, listen, if at that emotional moment where the drama clock is clicking down and you have to stop the stampede of lightning bulls from falling off the edge of the glacier and you're trying to cast a magic net to catch them, if at that moment you pull off the role because you made the equation, everyone at the table will scream your name. Every other kid will genuinely, uh, yeah. they won't be clapping for you because the teacher said, now nah, everybody clap for Billy's story. They're going to be cheering your name because you did the thing. Yeah. You pulled it off for everyone. Yeah. And that's the moment every gamer knows. Every yeah. gamer's felt that, right? It's the click, right? Mm -hmm. You connect that to doing math, watch how that kid goes and practices up. Watch yeah. how they master it because it's compelling. You've given them a reward that matters. And he looked at me and he was like, I hadn't thought about it that way. And I was like, I know me either. And then, mm -hmm. you know, that's what, that's how I'm thinking now. And that's part of the face palm, right? Yeah. How did I miss this? I've been mm -hmm. craving this high since I was young. And I, when I say high, I mean the oxytocin and dopamine, right? That yeah. wonderful immersive rush. And- Cause that's what learning should be Absolutely. for everyone all the time. Even if you mm -hmm. do have to slog through stuff because you just have to know it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, Wait, it, if you can turn a slog into a joyous, emotional narrative moment, mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, the notion, it's like listening to you, it, it brings to mind something that leading up to our interview these past couple of weeks, mm -hmm. I, I've just been been thinking about. And, and you know, I think that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm taking some creative license here, but okay. you're an English teacher. So I, if anyone's going to cut me the slack, it's you. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, from a from a the, the standpoint of, of of gamification and everything you're talking about here, and and making it rewarding again, mm -hmm. um, because learning should be intrinsic. And of course, we know the. I'm I'm just going to assume, Michael, you'll agree when I say P12 education, um, since our generation. Mm -hmm. I mean, Brad turns 48 tomorrow, but mm -hmm. but the 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 difference 42. here between us. Yeah, the difference yep. is, isn't too great, right? So when you think of when we were kids, mm. it might not have been fascinating in grade mm. school, for example, but it didn't look like it does today. And it's 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 yeah. so accountability-based and and metric-based. Um, and mm. I say that as someone who loves metrics, but the 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 motivation I, has been made external. I will uh, I will I will give you this. Um, as an educator, I'll tell you the word that I think people misunderstand most in education, and that word is data. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Data is a word yeah. that's used as though it is some sort of holy grail. It's like, well, what do the data say? And my hand always goes up and I say, what numbers are we looking at and why that's do right. they mean anything at all? Correlation mm -hmm. is not causation. My high school students can tell you that. They've studied it. So mm -hmm. if you can't draw a causal relationship between a particular thing you're doing and mm -hmm. an outcome, then don't tell me that that number means anything at all. Yep. Um, so yeah, I don't know about the, you know, the generational shift in education. Uh, I do know that uh, No Child Left Behind sort of uh, was the first big move towards destroying public education. Yep. And it's been, it's been, uh, you know, chased down by a lot of other um, yeah. really terrible moves. Uh, yeah nationally and locally because yeah. well, um, it's it's easy to it's easy to report it's easy to use to yeah. get justification for funding and it's easy yeah. policy and politically to you know well, have a few things to say it's um, silver bullet it's silver bullet yeah, um, much. politics you know it's like you 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 don't get elected by saying i can't kill the monster it's complicated and nuanced that's right and it'll take generations and you know we're all yeah. gonna have to spend a lot of money and time figuring this out you get elected because you say i got a silver bullet i'll shoot the monster yeah. um no single yeah. policy is a silver yeah. bullet 
no single bullet yep. will shoot the monster um, because the monster is something we've created. It's a societal monster. Mm -hmm. You can't educate uh, if kids can't eat. Um, you That's can't right. educate if kids can't have a safe place. Um, there's right. about a million different reasons that kids struggle. Mm -hmm. um, my concern always as an educator is I want my room to be a place of safety, warmth, and joy. Yeah. Uh, nice. You have to be able to trust to learn. And mm -hmm. that's another thing about you know, role-playing games, especially where they're moving now. You know, safety tools, session zero, all these different tone setting and expectation setting tools that people are using, they're hugely brilliant. They're exactly mm -hmm. what you need to do mm -hmm. to create a classroom where you mm -hmm. have a genuinely collaborative culture. And the, the brilliant thing is, you know, how do you learn to trust someone, right? You have an experience right. where you rely on them in an emotionally intense, vulnerable moment, and they catch you. They do a thing and they, they follow through, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why it takes so much time to build a really great collaborative culture, right? In your classroom. Right. You know what's genius about role-playing games? Give me a session. Yeah. Just one. Yeah. I'll start a drama clock where something terrible is going to happen if you all don't work together and have successful moves to pull it off, kids will be yelling, use the this tag. Oh, wait a minute. I got you. Look, look, you can use this ability and then I'll do this. All right, cool. And immediately they're building the kind of trust in each other, not mm -hmm. in me. I mean, I'm there too. And yes, of course me, but building that kid to kid trust and mm -hmm. genuine care about an outcome. That's huge. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I, yeah, it's <laughs> thank it, it, you. I you know, I get excited. You can tell. I'm sorry. I get no. You it's good. We like excited. It's I'm no. Go it's, there. it's you know you you, you never want to you never want to talk to someone who's like dedicating their life to something and it's like so how is it? And it's like it's all right. You know that that's not I'm very okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is really interesting. It just it 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 just makes me think. You know, in the best situation, mm. learning. I'm gonna mix my metaphors here, but but learning is all about XP. Right. I mean, and, and, and it should be and it should be intrinsic. Well, and let's say this too: XP is not about murder. XP, right. instead of right. being about murder, right. is about creative, critical yep. thinking, empathy, problem solving, bond yes. building. It's yep. about generating, not destroying, because let's and, be honest. Yeah, and I got yeah, a blog about this. If anybody's interested, you can find all my work yeah, I saw that. at yeah. luckoflegends.com. Um, so luckoflegends.com, you can go there, you can find classes, you can find mm -hmm. my blogs. But, mm -hmm. you know, I had some real reflection. Our, our fiction trains kids um, that heroism means you find someone who's at fault for the ills and the problems that you suffer and you hurt them until the problem's fixed. Yeah. And not only is that a recipe for cycles of trauma and violence, it's also the absolute last approach that's effective for all of the major systemic problems that we face as a globe. Yeah, that's right. You wanna fix climate change, you can't punch anybody and fix it. It's a massive systemic change and everybody's gotta figure out how to get over their various issues, work together, negotiate, compromise it's going to be emotionally nuanced and complex and it's not going to be viscerally satisfying and uh and violent yeah, yeah. you want to solve systemic racism you can yeah. punch a racist it won't fix racism or systemic it. racism yeah. yeah um it'll it might be temporarily satisfying i mean i'm going to guarantee like that's yeah. that's a fun thing that's a fun move to make but it's not going to fix the problem um right so I'm very interested in teaching kids and helping kids learn. As an educator, I feel it's a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes into my room, I'm, I'm helping them cultivate values in addition to teaching them academic skills. Mm -hmm. So as a teacher, if I encourage them to face problems in violent ways, then I'm encouraging them to have you know, problematic interactions in their lives. It may not manifest in punching somebody on the street, Mm -hmm. But violence manifests in a lot of ways, in the yeah. way we speak, in the way we carry ourselves in the world. Adversarial and, relationships. Yeah, just... if you, you got to learn how to communicate in a positive way. So yeah. I create a lot of, uh, there's a lot of drama in my games surrounding misunderstandings. Um, yeah. I often call it the Doctor Who approach. I've been binging that with my family. Um, and I love Doctor Who because, you know, my son turned to me at one point and he goes, Daddy, it's just like your games. And I was like... That's so cool. Because it's you can't you can't fight your way out of anything. Yep. Violence yep. never works. 
The monsters are people too, so don't call them monsters. Figure out what's going on with them. Most problems come down to a misunderstanding and you can figure it out and fix it, but it doesn't mean there's not going to be edge of your seat drama and lots of back and forth and having to figure things out. Right. Um, and everything is always solved by groups of people working together. The doctor may be magic, but boy, he's nothing without everybody who's he's got backing him up. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been, this has been say, so much. Final. <laughs> yeah. It, we really appreciate you taking the time with us, Michael. Um, I'm sorry. But, I was, I was somewhat quiet just cause I was, I was absorbing. I, I was enthralled, enthralled with it. So I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, thank I, you. No. So, so an important question, I think before we wrap up here. Mm, so yeah. if, if, if there are, are, are parents or others out there yeah. who are listening to this and it's, and it's like, okay, so I, I want him to work with my kids. Right. Hmm. What, what's the, and we'll put this in the show notes, of course, but like, what's the next step? How, how can people get a hold of you to, to hire you, to have you work with their kids, to, to just move forward professionally with you? Um, well, luckoflegends.com has hmm. all my information. It's got my classes. Yeah. It's got everything you could possibly want links to interviews. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I would also say, you know, there's the next step here for me um, in sort of making this material available to a larger audience. And if anybody out there is interested in working on developing this and helping get it into educators' hands, nice. uh, I'm definitely excited to start teaching people how to do what I do. And you can find some of that in my blog. I just got the chance to work with the amazing uh, Steph. She's at TTRPG Kids. She uh, does reviews of games for kids. Neat. And she has worked with her two-year-old and taught him how to story game she reviewed the game that I made with Daniel Hines of Story mm. Podcast. Yeah. Um, so Stories Podcast is one of the largest, longest running kids podcasts on the web. And we made storiesrpg.com. You can go yeah. there. Uh, everything's free to download and that'll give you a sample. Um, it's yeah. got coloring illustration, coloring book illustrations. It's zero prep. Uh, it's got read alouds mm. and it's a great way to start playing a story game. She played it with a three-year-old, but on the blog, we talk about how to teach kids from two through six, and yep. then I deal with seven through 13 right. um, using RPGs. And I'll be releasing more content like that um, as the year goes on. It's just hard to keep up. I've got, I got my, I've got so many plates spinning right now that I'm sort of looking to see if I've got extra appendages I didn't know I had. Right. Um, yeah, it's the fun part about working, working for yourself is you're never off the clock. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, storiesrpg.com, luckoflegends.com. Mm -hmm. And um, you can also look me up at uh, on Itch. There are a few games there. There's actually a slides-based game called Foster Monster there, which is a version of what I do with kids, only without fancy art. Um, on Itch, too, you can find some games for adults. Uh, Zero Samurai is, is the one I'm probably proudest of. I based it on the work of uh, one of the script writers for Seven Samurai. Uh, it's a book called Compound Cinematics, but I think a lot of the approaches that uh, Hashimoto takes towards um, towards script writing mm -hmm. really apply to role playing games. So that game has been um, that was that's one of my nerdy sort of swan songy texts. But yeah, there's uh, plenty of ways to get a hold of me, and I would love to talk to anyone. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Oh, I'm awesome. also on Twitter at Luck yeah. Legends. Luck yeah, Legends. yeah, that's how that's how we found you. Yeah, as we were yeah. talking. And, and you're quite active on Twitter and you, I mean, and just like, because, you know, with us following you, we're seeing, we're mm. seeing your interactions with others and the conversations you're having with other educators or educationally adjacent people, shall we say, are really interesting. It's like, it's, it's yet Brad and I have harped, uh, I mean, in a positive way, but Brad and I have harped in, in, in multiple episodes about, as of late, about how impressed we are. Mm. with the warmth yeah. and inclusivity and dynamism of the RPG community on Twitter. Amen. Really, 100%. yeah, really, and 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 I I've I've enjoyed watching your threads because it's there mm -hmm. in spades and it's with an educational lens and it's like it's just the coolest community out there. So, I I completely man. I've been floored too. I you know like I said marketing has been a learning curve for me. Yeah. Um and yeah. Twitter has been a surprise because yes. I've been as an educator I developed an early aversion and terror of social media right. and have sort of stayed out of it for yeah. you know years and all I had was my my student facing website which is still up loslanguage.com which 
I'm still proud of. It's good stuff. Um, if I ever get back in a high school classroom, which yep. probably won't happen, but if I do, yeah. it's right there waiting for me. Yeah. But Twitter has been amazing. I am mm -hmm. actually putting together a Discord. Um, I've met some German um, scholars who are putting together an academic work on educational RPGs. So I'm actually, one of my projects is I'm working on a chapter for that. Good for and you. That's cool. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm the practical. They've got a lot of theory and they're like, oh my God, we finally found somebody who's actually doing it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll write with you. So there's been amazing community built there. And I really feel that there is momentum for a real sea change and a use of games in a very positive and productive way to start mm -hmm. teaching in a new mode. So this is this is paradigm shift. It, to me, it, it just looks as a parent, someone who's not a direct educator, but mm. an educator from a parent perspective, this is paradigm shifting. And when you do get um, that discord up, obviously, we're going to we're going to. Oh, good. Then do you me a favor. An and, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Let me send us. And, and I want to make sure that mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to say this wrong, that we retweet it. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Um, You're all about the Twitter. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. we were we were averse to it too, and then and then finally we realized there's and and the like Jason said I I have been preaching this for a while is mm. that you can always find the seedy underbelly of any social media platform. Yeah. But the the, the Twitter verse when it comes to role playing and so on oh, great. is is so yeah. that yeah that tweet right there has um it has not only. Uh, the entire guide to how to use uh, role-playing games in an educational way that Steph and I put together. It's also got a list of all the great educators who I've yeah. met and the kind of work that they're doing and an open invitation to the educational discord. Yep, so got if you want to jump on there, Michael. come yeah. through. Um, yeah, there's we, nothing weirder than being retweeted in German. It was really sweet. Um, I was like, I got a, I got a retweet in German, and I was like, I don't know why I'm being. Thank you. And he was like, Hey, we love your work. Don't worry. Just wait till all the other Germans get on. I was like, Really? That's right. People know who I am in Germany. That's awesome. There's great people on there. Yeah. Look, thank you so very much. We will put all of this link, all of this in the show notes, especially that 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 Twitter thread. That's really cool. What a good. <laughs> condensed way to do it and jay and jace jace hears me say this and i truly say is we have to if you're game for it we're gonna have to have you back on because this is fascinating mm -hmm. dude anytime and you if you know, ever yeah. want to have a game run uh let me know what you want to play test uh and I'll, that'd be awesome I'll, all right I'll, game, game on deal. game on literally deal. i'm i'm ready i'm zero prep anytime <laughs> let's go awesome thank you sir such a joy to meet you and to talk with you and um man just so interesting michael so good Thank you. It's super exciting for me too. All right. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, um, you know, we record the intro after the interview. So we have to temper it a little bit because we don't want to give anything away. But now that, that you have listened, you as our listeners, all five of you have listened to this, hopefully you can hear the exuberance and just the, you know, this is his calling and yeah. this idea yeah. I, I had never, I, you know, it's something I never thought of and it, and it bears con or it, it, it is worth continued research yeah. and continued discussion. And you have to give, I mean, Michael, we really, we both give you credit, you and, and those who are doing the same kind of work. I think it is no secret. And I'm going to go out on a limb here since, you know, you pretty much have crumpled and thrown away our fourth wall anyways. So yeah. I'm going to go on a limb here, but it's, it's, I suspect the majority of all our listeners, like at least three, mm -hmm. I suspect that that they would agree with what I'm about to say, or at least agree in recognition teaching can be difficult work. I mean, there's just a reality in this country. We, we, we have, a, 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 we have a, a set of values that, that just doesn't really these days value public education in terms of pay reimbursement time, whatever. But, yeah. but if you, if you know educators like in your personal life, like, like we do these past two years, you know, have been especially challenging because of how COVID and the restrictions around the pandemic have affected our schools. Okay. And how then, quickly, and, and, oh, and don't forget yeah. how quickly people had to shift. 
and I'm, oh, we could yes. go on forever and how that affected um, demographically different locations, economically different locations. Unfairly, it, right. Unfairly. And, and teachers had to account for that. That's absolutely and, right. Yeah. And, and it's it, like you said, you know, I guess for me as a platform, you know, I grew up with teachers. Um, yep. I read at a very young age because my grandmother was a reading teacher. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is a, it is one of the, what's the best way to put it? The toughness to payment ratio is one of the worst I can think yeah. of in any field. Right. And so I, I, I just mentioned that because then you've got Michael and others doing similar kind of work in the classroom that, who amidst all of this are just wonderfully enthusiastic to put in the time, the effort, the passion to experiment with these approaches. So Michael, thank you. It was a joy chatting with you. Good on you. Uh, We look forward to having you back. And with that, let us walk over to the GM corner. Brad, what have you been, you've been up to a ton, I know, but pick something. What what do you want to talk about? Well, well, I'll I'll pick something that you and I talked about yesterday. And that is, I, I am going to forget the name of it. It's what Modiphius came out with the dossier or, um, so is this the Cthulhu game you were talking about? No, 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 no. That's separate. This is this is Modiphius. Remember, they came out with the free PDF. Oh, are you a Star Trek? Yes, I have yes. it on my desktop right now. I was flipping through it digitally this morning. This is I, this is, here. You you keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at. No, 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 no. no. This okay. I'm. I'll, I'll come back. We'll come back to talk about Cthulhu in a second. But yeah. this is one I wanted to bring up because both you and I were were kind of enthralled with this idea when it came this out. This is this is the trade ledgers, the trade ledger supplement uh, available at the time of this recording from Modiphius and on on Drive Through RPG. Trade trade ledgers for the Modiphius Star Trek Adventures game. And it's zero. To, it's it's free, folks. It's, it's free. free. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's just and, ideas. Every page is a set of ideas for uh, an adventure. And. And along with that, I, when I was reading through it, one of the things that we've talked about was this idea, you know, the, the Star Wars game that I've been terrible at keeping up with, but we have to play, you know, playing on the edge of civilization. In yes. this case, in Star yes. Wars, playing on the edge of the empire. Yes. Or if you look at, you know, um, original series ds9 especially they played a, a lot around the orion syndicate and on the fringe when when because yep, it played. wasn't in federation space yes so so this idea of being being able to play not only on a starship and on, and on a away team or whatever now all of a sudden you could potentially be playing yeah. An outside character yeah, like outside. a rios from picard yeah you uh, a sandbox within canon Yes. Yes. So when when I first saw this, I think I messaged you, and, <laughs> you and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, and I don't remember the exact terminology because you texted me and said, here. "Look, they heard you." <laughs> yes. Yes, that's what it was. <laughs> yes. yes, because yes. So kudos, Modifius, because yes. I think it was a phenomenal release. Number one. Number two, you get you're giving it away for free for yep. gamers you can yep. get the you can get the starter kit for free online the pdfs yep. or very cheap maybe it's five six bucks mm-hmm. i can't remember mm-hmm. and it's you, totally worth buying to oh, be honest yeah. it's such a good deal it's worth buying yeah the, the hardcover the hard copy excuse me is oh, yes. totally worth buying yeah yeah and and so yeah i mean we, jason and i are still proceeding on our genesis project but, but we, get, we did get talking and we're we like did. we we might have to okay so i'm gonna out it because yeah. it's your idea. So all credit yeah. goes to you. You, we, we, we started texting back and forth about, right. Cause we were both in the middle of like busy days, but yeah. this thing came out. So we're making it a point to flip through it and to get it in. And so Brad sends me this message to the effect of, you know, if, if Star Trek adventures and Modifius, if they're going to take this approach, which is kind of what, well, it is one of the major reasons we we're looking at a, a, a Genesis narrative dice port for Ooh. Star Trek. Brad texts and he's like, maybe we should just leave that where it is, take what we've done 
and start writing duet adventures yes. on the fringe for Star Trek adventures and pitch them to Modiphius. Everything there. So I told you, I think that sounds brilliant. I think the pitch Modiphius is also akin to that great New Yorker cartoon decades ago of then a miracle occurs in step two, but still. Um, so we'll keep you all updated. Brad and I have some talking to do. But yeah, it was to, to me, this idea yeah. of, of engaging with this material, they've stepped into a realm that, that you were really into. And I was yeah. ambivalent about at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But as we've talked over the podcast, I've become a great fan of, and now all of a sudden this came out. So, mm-hmm. um, outstanding work. The other one, yes. um, that, um, I, I actually, I don't even know how to explain it without it being gross, but, um, that got me excited to the point that, um, well, it just got me excited, not in a gross way, but, um, <laughs> Jason's laughing and trying to see if I could dig myself out of this hole, uh, green we'll Ronin mentioned. So they have, they are, they haven't launched it yet, but they are launching, um, a Kickstarter. Um, I want to say it's a mythos of Cthulhu. I can't remember the exact. That sounds right. You know, and so um, it's not started yet at the kickoff. You can sign up if you go out and look for that or go to Green Ronin's website. You, they can link you to the Kickstarter page where you can sign up to let you know when it opens. Mm-hmm. But they asked if we wanted to do any sort of live play yeah, how with cool the game. And so after... Um, I stopped acting as giddy as a, as a kid on Christmas morning, I was, I, you know, we, I sent them a message and I, I definitely want to talk to him about it. Um, just because one, um, obviously being able to, to play with people from the company or friends of them or people who had some sort of development engagement with it. Um, I don't know, but first time we've been invited by something like that, and um truly truly um humbled by them asking right clearly they've never seen us play yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so and whatever you do don't count our viewer numbers or listener numbers so um (laughs) but 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 jokes aside i i was i was flattered for the both of us that they asked us yes um and we're going to, we're going to talk to him about it. Cause I think there's, there's possibilities. Cthulhu is one of those things where neither one of us early on in this podcast had a lot of interest in. And um, what I didn't realize is kind of the bleed of, of that um, the, the love crafty and mythology, um, how it's permeated in different areas. Chaosium owns stuff yeah, and it's really Modifius owns stuff. And now green Ronin with, with their stuff. It's, it's a fascinating game. I've seen it played on Twitch. Yep. Yep. Um, so being asked to do something like this, I think would be just killer to do. So, yeah. so uh, that's, that's man. really between, between, between Modifius and our friends at, and our friends at Modifius and our friends at Green Ronin um, just within the past, what, three days that made the whole week. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's, it's really, it's really neat. Um, Now, when this episode releases, of course, it's a bit farther in the future than when we're recording it. We do that on purpose, but uh, things are starting to pick up. Things are starting to pick up for the, for the podcast, uh, uh, our, our presence on Twitter and our, our appreciation for what we see on Twitter continues to grow. Um, and I think for the jam corner, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, other than to just circle back once more to um, STA's trade ledgers, that's that. I, I, Brad and I will, are going to be talking more about about that wonderful and free supplement, and uh, more about about duets. So um, you know, Chris uh, or anyone else we've we've chatted with online at Modifius, um, we we might be sending you something before before the year's out. I thought, yeah, I just, I, that little release and I, sh- and I, I just mean like, it's a free release. It wasn't a big release like Shackleton expanse yep. um, or whatever the case is, but that one um, got our attention just as much as a new book release does. Oh um, yeah. Just because it, it, it fits that, 
genre that we've wanted to play that we play and you've played in star wars for some yep. time now yeah and now we have would have the ability to play this in another universe yeah another part of it we, another yeah. yes and yeah and i you know i don't know about i know we're going a little long here right brad but i don't know about mm-hmm. you but the uh, the presentation, not the formatting and, and the visuals, but the presentation of that supplement, the the notion of having, uh, what is it, 10 adventure primes, if you will, where instead of having an entire adventure written out, they provide context and guidance, and then you do the rest. Maybe you've seen that. You've been exposed to more. I've not seen that before from any of the games where it's just, here's how to do it. Here's how to do it. Here's how to do it. It's just a, a prime, a start for each. And that that's very appealing because the imagination just runs. The only time, ironically, the only time I've ever really seen that is in some of the Cthulhu um gaming i've seen out there so ironic yeah. there's there's another okay. crossover but yeah i'm mm-hmm. i'm completely with you it, yeah. it's like uh i mean you, you know you know you could you could create a whole new book of material for this wink wink nudge, wink nudge. wink right yeah yeah there you go so uh before we say goodbye listeners uh just just a heads up uh we have one more wonderful interview coming your way next week for our first burst of five. And then we're going to spend an episode where Brad and I kind of look back, look forward and get into actually a very specific topic for application. Uh, uh, Certainly a favorite of mine. And then behold, there were five more. We are going to have another round of five interviews because we didn't want to say anything uh, beforehand until Brad is waving his arms around. He's so excited. Uh, we didn't want to say anything until we we were sure we could actually get it done. But we're switching our format a little bit going forward. Yeah. And instead of you listening to us uh, all the time, we know that recently in an episode we said, well, we're going to get more interviews. Well, actually, we're getting a ton more. So we have our next five scheduled and we're go- and then we're going to do another five and then another five. Next week, we have a wonderful one coming. The next round of interviews are getting even bigger and better. And we're going to open with a heck of a punch. We also have some additional news that we'll share along the way. Uh, that we think some of some of our listeners uh, might be interested to follow along over the next year. But for all of that and more, you'll have to wait. As always, be well, stay well. We will see you, talk to you next week. 